If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, and you want to do your part. Today I'd like to mention one means of doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out Fide Email. That's F-I-D-E-I dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course Catholic. God bless. So that story involving nuns in Texas and Bishop Olson has taken a weird turn. The There was a pu- official hearing, and journalists from the Pillar Catholic news outlet was, were in the room when audio recordings were played. And on the tape, you can hear, according to their reporting, the abbess, or the mother superior of the Carmelite nuns in question, admitting to having committed sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment with a priest. And, well, it's, uh, it doesn't look good for them, to put it mildly. Now, this all in spite of the fact that the Bishop Olson is someone who, as many of you pointed out after that, my last report on this, Bishop Olson was one of the bishops in Texas who took point on telling laity in, I think it was 2018 or 2016, not to support certain Texas politicians in their election efforts because they came down too hard on the Moloch issue, that Catholics shouldn't come down as hard on that. He was one of those bad bishops, if you remember that story from several years ago. He came down on essentially the wrong side of that. Many of you other who live in his diocese or have lived in his diocese reported some weird anecdotes involving him, making him sound less than savory. So this is an odd issue, and I'm reminded that the priest friend of mine who told me that he knew Bishop Olson back in the back in uh, seminary days and vouched for him, he did say he expected a lot of people were going to have to apologize to Bishop Olson for this. So let's go into the story because it doesn't exactly look good for the abbess. But let's also remember there is an ongoing investigation and there's some weird details about this. For example, it's not actually clear that there's a, there was a canonical crime committed here and yet Bishop Olson has opened a canonical investigation. Hence why they've appealed to, the nuns have appealed to Rome, because canon law is not exactly clear on the issue here, at least according to the, to the Pillar article. And this is going to be quote heavy because I don't want to get any details wrong. This is, again, we're talking about the reputations of nuns and a bishop here who may actually be in the right when all this settles down. Again, we are dedicated to the truth here, even if not particularly a fan of the bishop in question. So let's dive into the Pillar Catholic article. And again, I'll have links to this posted in my show notes at returntotradition.org. Let's again, returntotradition.org. Look for the post with the name or similar name as this video for today, and you'll find your sources there. So from the Pillar Catholic article, quote, The audio tape played by the Fort Worth Diocese June 27th was a record of an April conversation between Olson and Mother Teresa Agnes, whom Olson dismissed from religious life June 1st after he was appointed May 31st the Pontifical Commissary of the Arlington Monastery by the Vatican's Dicastery for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. In the recording, which was obtained by the Pillar June 28th, Olson asked Gerlach, that's the Mother Superior, whether she had committed a violation of the Sixth Commandment with a priest, and she assented to that. But the nun told Olson, quote, most of this was over the phone, and later insisted that her contact with the priest was entirely over the phone. As the bishop explained that he had initiated a canonical investigation, Gerlach told him, quoting her directly, Bishop, I need to tell you something. I don't know how to explain this, but that this, this did not happen in person at all. It was all over the phone. 
So he did not come down here, Gerlach said. The truth is that he was not down here. Olsen told her that she had changed the story, adding, We have a hard time with the truth. Gerlach blamed her health problems, which had been reportedly seen her heavily medicated in late 2022 and early 2023, and in the hospital for several medical procedures. I promise you, Bishop, at the time I was having seizures, and I was in a really very difficult position, and I think my brain just got really messed up, Gerlach insisted. And Bishop, I really got very confused, the nun said on the tape. I was not in my right mind. Well, I understand it, the bishop said, even more so than why you shouldn't be prioress. The bishop then read a decree initiating his canonical preliminary investigation of the nun. Gerlach added that she and the priest got, quote, very close, and then indicated that, just twice on the phone, they had committed some unspecified sin of the flesh over the phone or on video chat. It was not in my right mind when this happened. I would never do anything like this. I'm a nun. And then you fall, she told Olson. End quote. Okay, so there's a couple weird things about this story. First, canon law does not specify that this is a canonical crime, according to the article here. And I hope they do a follow-up if it does turn out that a canonical investigation is rooted in some actual concrete rulings in canon law. That would be nice. But the question is, what is actually being investigated here? If there's a canonical investigation, what canonical violation is being investigated? And I don't mean to downplay the nature of what happens here. Olson is treating this like a canonical crime, but canon law isn't clear on the issue, or at least that's the pillar's claim. And the other question I have about this is, we are often told that certain sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandment are confessed by upwards of 90% of traditional Catholic men and something like 75% of traditional Catholic women. Those are staggering numbers, folks. And you will hear that in like the, you know, your typical neighborhood Novus Ordo parish, priests hear those confessions so often when people bother to go to confession there, that they are told that, well, it's not necessarily, you know, that it's, there's mitigating circumstances because it's habitual, etc., etc. You get which sins I'm talking about here. These are going to be similar to what she's confessing. And the, the question is this, is her culpability mitigated in the same way that a habitual sin is mitigated because of its habitual nature if she was on a medication related to surgery and the seizure she was having because of her health problems. It's an honest question. I'm not trying to make excuses for her. The, these are going to be questions that I anticipate are going to be asked in any canonical investigation. Now, it's also worth noting here that Bishop Olson has said that he has no interest in their property. He has said this publicly multiple times since the story broke. Because it turns out a lot of people were accusing him of that. And, you know, even I pointed out that there, the Abbey there is on very, very nice property. And those of you who are in the area or have been there pointed that out as well. Now, also another weird thing. Olson, Bishop Olson, makes some claims about vows of chastity being more important for priests than consecrated religious to adhere to. But then he never explains why. And the pillar points out that that's kind of an odd thing for him to make, a claim to make without backing it up theologically. And also it doesn't really without hearing the words he used precisely, which they don't provide, it's an odd claim to make, especially when you're trying to then reduce a nun back to a, a mother superior, back to a the level of whatever, you know, level that she had before becoming the, the prioress of the Abbey. But let's continue because again, she says she wants to make sure this is, that people know this is consensual, which then means that she's admitting to some culpability of, 
you know, responsibility for what her actions in this. So let's continue. Quote, in the audio tape, Olson himself acknowledged that, quote, I know it's consensual, while adding that, adding that a priest, as you know, is obliged to live his promises and vows, and it's even more so for a priest than for a consecrated religious. Though Olson did not cite a theological or canonical principle for that assertion. But the bishop was clear that he did not believe Gerlach was up to the task of her office as superior. After he read decrees opening a canonical investigation and restricting the nun's life in the monastery, Olson emphasized his sense of the allegation's gravity. Really, the sake of the whole Carmel is at stake here, you understand that. And I appreciate you telling the truth, Olson said. While the nun insisted, I was in a really bad state. I understand, Olson said, and that's just a bad state for the burdens of leadership and judgment. As an aside, I do kind of wonder, would that mean that if he was, you know, on having had to go through rounds of surgery and on a lot of painkillers that he would that he would step down does he think francis should step down because francis has had surgery twice this year he's taking july as a quote staycation that made the news probably a good idea given his age and the things he's been through does he think francis should step down food for thought anyway continuing olson told garlock that her medical state had in his view disqualified disqualified her from leadership in the Carmelite community, and possibly from continuance in religious life, seemingly because her illness had impeded her capacity to exercise the office of prioress. The illness to which you've articulated now has influenced your judgment, so much as to lead you into objectively grave sin, twice. And so that shows you can't maintain that office. And see, that then there's the question of the whole religious life as well, because the canons are very strict on this, Olson said, though it's not clear to which canons he was referring. The bishop framed his decision to place Gerlach on, quote, administrative leave, with restrictions on her life in the monastery, as an opportunity for healing. Really, the burdens of office and leadership are lifted from you right now. I love you all very much, he added in the tape. There, but for the grace of God, go any of us. But I don't see any way you can return to being prioress, he added, end quote. All right, so if there's an off chance that you are an expert, even informally in, in, in canon law, and you know what he's talking about here in terms of the canons being very specific about this, because... Pillars are the, the writers of this pillar article. Pillar Catholic, very serious, independent Catholic media outlet who tries to be fair and generally objective in the reporting. They don't know what he's talking about with canon law things, and that's gonna a lot of that is going to be what ha, is going to be what a lot of the argument that Rome is going to make about her fate is going to hang on the canons of this, at least on paper. Now, the priest in question has been identified as Father Bernard Marie. And he was a member of a redemptorist monastery in Montana, a specific one that was a traditionalist group that had been affiliated with the Society of St. Pius X before accepting deals with Rome and coming into a normal canonical status in 2008. A couple of days ago, the group in question denied that Father Bernard Marie was a member of that group, which makes this all the weirder. He's actually a diocesan priest out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and it turns out that his, the name that, you, that Bernard Marie was actually a religious name he took. The Diocese of Raleigh identified him with this public statement. Quote, Father Philip Johnson is a priest of the Diocese of Raleigh who was granted leave from the diocese to serve as chaplain to a religious community in 2020 and who later joined the Redemptorist Monastery in Montana in 2022, the diocese said. He recently returned to North Carolina after resigning from the Redemptorist community where he served under the chosen name of Father Bernard Marie. Father Philip Johnson is not currently exercising public ministry. Upon returning to North Carolina, Father Philip Johnson's priestly faculties were restricted by Bishop Luis Rafael Zarama as a precautionary measure until more clarity regarding his status can be ascertained. End quote. It's not clear how she met this priest, and I don't know if that's actually relevant to the story or not. Now, there's the other issue of the controlled substances. Um, she had been 
she had been, they identify some of them. One of them is a name I can't even say on YouTube. Um, it's uh, one, it's, I'll put the name of it on the screen. So it's right there. But uh, <laughs> it's a very serious one. But there's the other one that there were, the, uh, the kind of the, that's become like legal in most states for recre, in a lot of states for recreational use. And where it's not strictly speaking legal for that purpose, it has been in most states, the laws against it not enforced anymore. That, that one. Okay. The one we, we associate with like, you know, 1960s, like hippies and things and, you know, Woodstock, that, that happy, happy thing. There was a uh, lay employees of the diocese and of the monastery, both reported smelling it on the grounds and seeing the paraphernalia around as well as some receipts indicating purchases from quasi legal establishments for selling the product. The matter has been apparently has been referred to local law enforcement who are investigating it. And that's all we have. It's a lot to go over, though, isn't it? It's a lot to digest because it may turn out Bishop Olson might be vindicated in this. I know some of you don't want to hear that, so I'm curious what you all think in the comments. Do you think Bishop Olson's owed an apology? Do you think that, uh, that really there's something more nefarious going on here? In general, I would suggest praying for Bishop Olson praying for the Mother Superior here, the Prioress, and in general pray that the truth comes out and that justice be done according to the norms and laws of the Church. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps, too. Links to, the, to this article are in my show notes today at returntotradition.org. So always pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.